Welcome to another episode of Discover Harmony Florida. I'm Kristen McCary and I'm here with your host. Janine Corcoran, broker for Corcoran Connect, a real estate company. And today is the day we have our special guest is finally here. So why don't you introduce us to our special guest? Well, we want to welcome Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. As everyone knows, Barbara's my sister and we thank you so much for joining us. Hey, pleasure to be here. One of my favorite things to look forward to for in the last two weeks. Oh, I bet you're lying about that. No. <laughs> no. no, well, you look great. Um, you, you, you make a person's doing a great job. You just look wonderful. looks like you had some sun. So, you know, keep it up, whatever you're doing. Blush, blush, blush. <laughs> so um, a couple of questions I wanted to ask. So St. Cloud, Florida is a small town with a downtown cobblestone street and um, mom and pop shops. No, you know, big chains or anything like that. They're really trying to renovate it and make it you know, quaint and it is, and they have a monthly market every month, um, which is great. They close the streets and they have vendors on the streets and it's just, it, they're really doing a great job. But what is it about small towns that people love? Well, it represents a dream of America. You know, uh, no one in any movie I ever saw is, well, they're now dreaming about moving to the big city if they want to make their way in life. But generally you're either on a horse on a prairie or in a small town and you're happily ever after. So there's so many good associations with small town living. There's sunshine, which you can't, uh, you probably take for granted because you have it every day, but we have this migration of people from the, uh, the Northeast moving to the Sun Belt for a reason. It's for the sun, number one, you know? And then also recently uh, with the COVID restrictions, uh, it's emphasized that people want a simpler life, less stress, know their neighbors, uh, feel good about themselves. And then you add on to that, beyond those cozy factors, you add what's attracting the rich guys to all of Florida. It's lower taxes. And so yes, for sure. Better. Bang, bang. I mean, everybody's going to keep coming. It's not a temporary frame of mind. It's a permanent frame of mind that's been exaggerated by COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's, a, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Besides small towns, there's so many places to move in Florida, beachside. I mean, you, you at one point, you know, had property on the, on our beachside over in Melbourne. Um, so, so it's true. It's no, it's no longer a heaven's waiting room. It was the image of it 10 years ago, uh, but the people moving, they have redefined that no longer do make people make that association. I don't think maybe some, yeah. but mostly it's gone. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. That's great for Florida. Um, so uh, as you know, I've been in real estate since 2005. So 17 plus years, I've never seen a market like this, Barb. So, um, you know, we're less than a month's inventory and I hear that that's national. So what's going on? I mean, you've been in real estate forever and what's your opinion on that? Well, I've been in real estate for almost 50 years. I'm probably one of the last men standing, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, but it by far is the absolute craziest, not so uh, bonkers market I've ever seen. Um, just across the board, you know, prices are up 19% in the last 12 months. Nobody thought it would extend that far. I remember uh, two years ago, everybody was saying it was temporary, temporary. At this point, uh, people are becoming frightened, thinking, oh, it's going to bust. It's got to bust. It's doing this. But there is no bust on the horizon. I don't believe for a lot of reasons, and maybe we can get into that later, but um, home prices shooting up to the degree that they are is mind boggling to me. Austin, I think, went up by 40% in a year. I think they hold the record. Jacksonville, New York State, 31%, not bad in a year, right? 
but I do remember one market, believe it or not, that was stronger, uh, just a market that only lasted a year. It was a crazy market in Manhattan when I was first in business in the 1970s. And I remember our city was coming out of bankruptcy, uh, crime, everything was wrong with it. And it bounced back in one year. And I remember calculating numbers and realizing that prices had gone up 66% in one year. Wow. And I, I actually did the math a few times. I'm not very good at it. But also, I remember calling mom and telling her that they had gone up 66%. And you know what she said? A housewife who had no business experience, she said, you know, you should take your 6% commission, leave 3% on the table, and ask your buyers if you could have 3% of the deal. If I had listened to her, I thought it was a stupid idea. If I had listened to her, I would have been rich by 30. Right? <sighs> Market, it continued to go up, continued to go up. It never stopped. And uh, that was a miracle market, but I've never seen a market sustain this long, two years now in the running two and a half years, and it ain't going to be any better over the next year. It's going to be more expensive. Yeah, and that, that's what, that's what everyone, all the experts, are, uh, and you're one of the experts are saying, they're all saying the same thing. And, um, no, and so the number is out there yeah. too. There, there are a few doomsdayers giving negative reports. Yes. When you examine what it's based on, uh, the logic, uh, to my way of thinking, doesn't make any sense. There's fault lines throughout. So the number one question that I always get from a lot of people is, will our market crash again? Especially in Florida, we, we saw a 50% um, decrease during the downside market. Um, you know, what would you say to that? Well, I say the same thing to buyers who are asking it all over the country, uh, because no one was uh, uh, lucky enough to escape the crash of 2008. That began in 2008, I think. Uh, but it's a totally different market now because of its roots and what it's built on, there's a huge difference between who's buying real estate now and who was buying in 2008. Remember in 2008, we had the subprime market recklessly lending. Uh, there were no parameters. Anybody could get a loan. We had investors flipping like crazy. It was that kind of a market where there's enough inventory. You could flip, flip, flip and make a bundle. Oh, that's true. Uh, mm -hmm. And crazy inflation of the marketplace. Those are bad things like bad roots in a tree to base a market on to base rising prices. But today, neither of those people are players, real buyers living in their homes, not buying a house, but living in their homes and feeling that way about it, are the buyers that are supporting our market. And that gives me great confidence. And they have loans, of course, but the banks aren't lending them more than they could actually afford. So uh, what you have now is a totally different foundation of the market. And coupled with that, I think a whole new appreciation of what's important in life. I mean, people have had time to think during COVID. And while they think during COVID, they've realized one of the most important things is where you live and the second is their job. And they've reevaluated that again and come, came away feeling like both were more important than ever. And they've, uh, they've just they've done what they think they should do. And one of those things is buy a house. No, all that makes perfect sense that you're saying. Um, so I, this is a, um, we, we received some questions from different um, agents, realtors, brokers, as you call them in New York, and the market's very, very competitive when it comes to listing. I've listing homes, I've never seen it before. Like I said, low inventory under a month. What is the one thing or one piece of advice you can give any to our realtors um, to how to get more listings? Is there any kind of secret sauce? <laughs> There's never a secret sauce because your ability to capture a listing market, whether you be a firm or an individual, uh, is a summation of a lot of things you've done well all along the way. You have confidence, you have credibility, 
We talk about other spectacular sales. You can win the seller over because of your uh, real estate experience. You've gotten good at what you do. And you can't just, that's not like a magic word or magic wand. Uh, that you have to earn by great work. Uh, but the one thing that is common uh, among all markets is you have to hustle. You know that. You don't get anywhere in real estate unless you're a hustler. And I know a hustler is probably the wrong word, but it means like uh, someone who's got the ambition to go for it, you know? Uh, yeah, but the hunger. I, hunger is everything, you know? More than need, actually. Uh, but the other thing that I learned years ago, I, I, I hired a fancy company to do a focus group and I invited uh, people we sold apartments to from multi-million dollar buyers to buyers who had bought their first studio. And we listened to them as to why they chose the Corcoran Group. And I paid for these fancy people to conduct these interviews for two days. And you know what I found out? <laughs> I was, I was looking for the secret sauce. What is it that got the listing? Come on. What was, why'd they choose that, that agent? Why'd they choose us? I'm going to get to it and do more of it. And what I simply found out was that the people I was interviewing behind closed screens, the sellers who gave us the listing simply chose people like themselves. They even look like an agent. Okay. So I think it's good to bear in mind that you have to find your people. You have to know who your sweet spot is. And it could be a wide sweet spot or a narrow one. But people do feel comfortable with people like themselves. It's quite, quite innocent in a way. They don't even, they're not even aware of it. And so I found that very valuable. And I gave up trying to find the secret sauce on how to get a listing. I just thought I, get, I better do a better matchmaking when people ask me for an agent. Like have a feel for who they like, what they like, who, what they look like, how old they are, and try to match as good as I could. That was great, Barb. Um, it's extremely challenging for the buyers. I still get multiple offers. Is there any strategy you would recommend to an agent to help um, get their buyers to win the bid? Yeah, you've got to counsel them what it takes to win anything, uh, which is always putting in your best effort. Um, I believe that every great agent knows how to close a bid or they should learn how to close a bid. And closing the bid to win is getting the absolute highest bid with no contingencies. So I think you have to teach the buyers that you have to put your best foot forward. And a question I as an agent use and taught my own agents to use is to ask the buyer, at what price would you be regretful if somebody else got it? Oh, I asked that same question. Mm -hmm. See that? Genius runs in families. But you want to know, it always has you experience, I'm, I'm sure just as I do, it gives people pause for thought. They go, oh, well, like if that next guy got it for 30,000 more than you're telling me to bid, would you say, damn, I could have, I should have done it. And that makes them raise their bid. And it's a fair thing to do because you don't want people regretful and they're only going to have to pay more for the next house. It's not like it's going to go down. And then, of course, positioning your bid, whether you have all cash or not, as all cash is a misnomer. Most people think you need the cash in your pocket. All it really means is I won't be contingent on financing. The other thing, I mean, I, I do the same thing like you, you said, but the other thing that, that I also do is I sell myself as a, as a broker. So when I'm presenting the buyer, I give them my sales record and I let them know I didn't have any deals fall through. So they have confidence in me and I let them know that I'm surrounded by you know, good people, you know, so that kind of sells that part. And they do, they know, cause they know who's doing business and whatnot. And, and it does help. And I usually get great, you know, compliments back, you know, that when they presented to the seller, they were really impressed and, and wow. you know, 
So. That's a good one. That's something that never even crossed my mind. Um, I did uh, speak to a broker at Corcoran a week ago who said that she, and she's a top broker, I guess she's still number one, Carrie Chiang. And what she told me she does, which I thought, whoa, that's chutzpah. She said um, she puts in every bid when she could convince a buyer that I'll pay 5% more than the highest bid you get. That's interesting. And go, what do you think happens? It's so tantalizing and it's hard to refuse. So those other bidders are losers right out of the gate. Okay. She's got to get herself uh, to persuade that buyer that this is something they want to do. But she said the great majority of her bids go in exactly as that 5% more than your highest bidder. Yeah. So, so something similar here, we have an escalation clause that, that we bid, you know, a thousand, 5,000 over the highest bidder up to, and then that magic number that you always ask them, you know, what's, what's, what will you be disappointed if you lose this house? So that, that, that does help a lot. Now I can't help but ask this question. Okay. Is there any deal that got away while you were on Shark Tank that you had wish you had invested in? That's one of someone's question that was sent yeah, in. Everybody always asks it, but honestly not. I mean, many get away that for the moment, I'm annoyed that I didn't get something because I'm working to get something. Uh, but the minute the doors open on Shark Tank, the next entrepreneur comes in the door. I don't even remember them anymore. I'm a, I've got the great ability to move on. Just move on. Mm -hmm. That's good. And then of course, everyone wants to know, um, what is Mr. Wonderful like in real life? He's a pushover. You should see when his wife comes onto the set, his knees visibly shake, just having her in the room. Uh, he's a tough guy on the set, but if you want to renegotiate the deal after the fact, he just has no problem with it. So he's not as tough as he looks. Well, that's great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to come on, Barb, and, um, and all great answers. And I know everyone appreciates what you have to say and your expertise on the real estate market as um, it is a strange market, as we say today. But um, thank you so much. You're the best at it. So this nothing to be lost for somebody like you and i'll see you in los angeles in a few weeks oh yeah right it's coming up can't wait yep. that's right, right. well gotcha. have a great day okay, right. you. bye bye thanks so much for joining us guys on discover harmony florida remember you can find all of our podcasts on all of your favorite podcast platforms as well as youtube and if you want to check out the episode that janine was on barbara's mm -hmm. podcast that was fun it was more family related a lot more fun mm -hmm. interesting facts and stuff like that you can check her out the business unusual podcast episode number 136 sister sister mm -hmm. um that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed being here recording that one with you guys that was it was cool yeah experience. that was a lot of fun, fun. a lot of fun, fun. Um, and, uh, until next time, I guess we will see you in the next episode. Looking forward to it.